0: Hey everyone, it's Pastor Eddie from River of Life. Just want to say thank you for joining us on our podcast. Now let's get ready to hear a word from the Lord today. What does God want to speak to our hearts today? So come on, open your Bibles, open your hearts, and let's get into the Word. Stand on your feet and open your Bible to Exodus 33. I want to talk about continuing about prayer, prayers that get God's attention. And uh, that's been the title, what we've been focusing on. It's important to pray. And I know prayer is not very exciting to talk about, but it is so important. Prayer is like one of them things that when you walk into a house and or you see a new house, the first thing you look at and Melinda and I we've been looking about moving out here for twelve years now. Amen. And uh We pray about it, and and, uh, so we look at the houses. It's the first thing you look at, you know, is usually the curb appeal and things like that. And you go in a house, and you may look at the windows and the, the floors and the walls and how much room it has. All that is important. Notice no one ever walks in and says, man, this is a good, solid foundation that you have. Can I tell you, prayer is that same way. We don't like to talk about it in church. We love to talk about the music and the styles and the sermons and the programs and the kids' ministries. No one really talks about prayer, but prayer is the foundation of ministry. It's the foundation of your spiritual walk. It's the foundation of everything God's going to do in your life. It's going to come from a lifestyle of prayer. The kingdom of God moves forward on its knees, as we say. It's only through prayer. When we pray, things will happen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. And what? Pray. And pray. Before you go any further, seek my face, turn from my wicked ways. Pray. It starts with prayer. So we've been taking our time and looking at prayer. But I want to talk to you today about when God speaks back to us and the benefit of prayer, the joy of getting into a prayer life. You're going to see that in Exodus 33 as we look at the life of Moses in the Old Testament, long time ago, before there was any conferences on prayer, before Priscilla Shire or Beth Moore or anyone else was on the scene talking about prayer, or Joyce Meyer or whoever your favorite teacher or preacher may be. Good old-fashioned getting alone with God, Steve. Amen? That's what we're going to see right here. And this is how this man led over 2 million, they say, Jews out of slavery, and, and God delivered them out of Egypt. How did he do it? With no training, no, no diploma, no... Credentials. He did it by one thing, being able to get along with God and commune with the God of heaven. I don't care what you're going through, a marriage problem, a financial problem, a, a, a life problem. The answer is always the same. It's the presence of God. It's God. Lean into God. God's going to get you through it. God's going to get us through whatever season we're in. I'm preaching already. Amen. That's good stuff. Amen. Hallelujah. Here, so here we go in Exodus 33. Look at verse 7. So Moses, and put your name in there took his tent and pitched it outside the camp, far from the camp, far from the noise, far from the drama, far from where everything was going wrong. And he called it, even named it, the tabernacle of meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to that tabernacle of meeting, which was again, outside the camp. It's twice now. God must be trying to tell us something. So it was, whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle, that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. So this is almost two million people when you you read. This is a huge amount of people in the middle of a desert, leaving Egypt and going to the promised land. They don't really know where they're going. But every day God is guiding them through the pillar of fire at night. And at daytime it was a cloud. It was a supernatural manifestation of the presence of God. It must have been spectacular to see that. And uh, then it says they would watch Moses go into his own little prayer tent. Verse 9. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. (laughs) And all the people, all the people, they saw the pillar of cloud standing at the tabernacle door. And all the people rose and they worshipped each man in his tent door. That's how they responded. So the Lord spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. Wow, I underlined that in my Bible. And God spoke to Moses face-to-face as a man speaks to his friend. Don't know how that happened through a cloud or how that happened, but it just happened. And so Moses would return back to the camp. And this is just a little throw-in there, especially for young people. I used to preach this as a youth pastor. Look at this. There was a young man there named Joshua and he would not depart from the tabernacle. It's a little young man, about 19 years old at this point. All the other young people's running around here doing this, running that, confused about everything. This young man was so hungry for the presence of God, he would even stay there longer than Moses would. Come on somebody, I want young people to know, not all, not all the young people's out there are losing their mind. There is some young people, right Kavar, and we got them here at our church that are seeking God and are wanting the presence of the Lord in their life. That's what you're going to need to direct you through your 20s. Come on, somebody. How many's been through your 20s? You're going to need them through your 30s. I'm finding them out that I'm going to need them through my 40s. And when I get through my 50s and 60s, how many's there? How many still need the presence of God to guide you through your 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s and 90s? Amen? Amen. Yes, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And while you're standing, Jesus, in the New Testament, 6-5, write this down, remember it, take notes, whatever. This is Jesus' New Testament teaching. About this, he says, When you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut the door, pray to your father who is in the secret place. Everybody say, secret place. secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, not if you pray, not if you pray, no, when you pray, in other words, Jesus says, I'm expecting y'all to pray. It's like, eat if you eat, no, no, we're gonna eat. That's that's what the Greek is here saying. When you do pray, it's not if you pray. When you do pray, assuming we are regularly going to be praying, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do. (laughs) People that don't know God, they just think it's a secret formula to say this word and that word 50 times or 100 times. It's right here in the Bible. It's amazing. He says, for they think they're going to be heard because of their many words. That's not how you do it. Therefore, in this manner, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven. As a man speaks to his friend, Moses spoke to God. Jesus is saying, I'm introducing a new concept to you, that God is your father. So I'm gonna talk to you today about prayers from the secret place. Prayers from the secret place. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Pray, God, you just open our understanding, give us a hunger for getting into your secret place more often this year, in Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead and be seated. Getting into the secret place. God has always, God has always wanted people uh, to seek him. He, is, he has always enjoyed spending time with us in prayer and it's something our flesh will fight you on. Your flesh will not want you to get into that secret place. And when you finally do get along with God, you know, I'm sure you're going to look down and you're going to see something in the carpet. You want to go get the vacuum cleaner or want to go do this or the dogs start barking. Everybody comes to your phone, your, your phone's going on. How many know exactly what I'm talking about? I, that's every time you do it. And that's what it happens. Those are just distractions that are, uh, I believe they're, they're fright, out of the pit of hell sometimes. And, uh, but God has always enjoyed communing with his people. You find this in Genesis when God created Adam. The Bible says he would come to Adam in the cool of the day. Imagine that. He would come uh, to Adam, and the Bible says when Adam heard him coming, so well, there's a noise when he comes, and you find out in Ezekiel and in other places of the Bible that when God shows and manifests himself, there are angels, and it's like a whole, it's like a whole caravan coming when God's presence is there. If you read it in the scripture, it's, it's a beautiful, it's a sound, it's a word. He's the, he's the creator of all things. And Ezekiel saw it and wrote about it, and other prophets did. And so, but he would come into the garden, and Adam wasn't afraid in the beginning. He loved to spend time with God. Proverbs 15.8 says, the prayer of the upright is his delight. He delights when we come to him. He, he looks forward to spending time. You ever have a friend or somebody who you just enjoy their company? And you, you, sometimes you just got to get a text from them. And you're like, that's my boy, man. That's my girl. And, you know, you just love, well, you know, making an, an arrangement to go to a restaurant or something. <laughs> I don't care if you've got to drive to another state. Come on, somebody. Amen. You, but you know what I'm talking about. You, you, just, wanna, you just love being with people. How I many have somebody like that? And you're like, maybe you're like that. Amen. It's good. It's good. I'm telling you that God looks forward to us when we are intentional about spending time with God. I'm trying to get you motivated and encouraged today to get back in there. Remember that movie War Room that came out? Everybody was making a war room, and that's awesome. You need it. I just want to ask you, have you been in it lately? I know. We made it through 2020. We're like, Looks like it's still here. Amen, in many ways. It's not a a thing that, oh, I've done that, you know, and and I got to go. No, it's something. But I showed you last week how God has an inner circle. Jesus had an inner circle. Remember that with Peter, James, and John? And uh, if you weren't here or you didn't watch it, watch last week's message, man, I uh, really taught about being in that inner circle. Out of the 12, there were the three. And out of the three, there was that one, John, who would get so close to Jesus. He was nicknamed John the Beloved, as if he was Jesus' favorite. He wrote more than the other disciples. He, li- he lived a life and died of natural causes. He wrote the book of Revelation uh, there's many things that were on his life, and Peter was even jealous of him because Jesus made a comment about how they're going to die. Remember all of that? I mean, G- he was like one of Jesus' favorite. Well, I'm telling you, it wasn't just for John. We are all invited to spend time with him like that. You can write this down. It's not on the screen, but Hebrews 4:16 says, Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace. Let all of us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace To help in time of need. Look at that. So we have no excuses to to get into the presence of the Lord. I love what Oswald Chambers said. He said, everyone is as close to God as he chooses to be. Everyone is as close to God as he chooses to be. Think about that. What does James say? If you draw near to God, he will draw near to you who makes the first move? We do. He says, if you will draw near to God, I will draw near to you. So Moses, I want you to see this. There were two tents in the story of Moses and in the tabernacle, and they're both called the tabernacle. You had the corporate tabernacle, It was huge. It was for all of Israel to come and perform their sacrifices, their acts of worship. They had the altar. They had the one little narrow door, which everything about the tabernacle, I've taught on it before and explained to you that everything from the fabric, the colors, the furniture, all of it actually taught us about Christ Jesus, which would come. He is the door. The only way into the whole courtyard, into the tabernacle, was one little door. How many know Jesus is the way? The only way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. He's the door. Then you have the altar. Before you go any further, you need to put the flesh on the altar. Come on, somebody. You need to put him on there and say, I crucify this old doubt, unbelief, sinful mind that gets in the way. And so you move through the furniture and you would get into the tabernacle and you have the, the lamp stand. Jesus is the light of the world. Then you have a table with bread on it. He is the bread of life. Come on, somebody. Then you have an altar of incense, which is a form of worship to Jesus and all, all of these things. And that's what the tabernacle was. And they would uh, come weekly and regularly on the Sabbath. And on their main uh, feast, they would practice all of these uh, feasts there. And it was uh, it was like coming to church. And we need the corporate body of Christ. During COVID, I belonged to these uh, conversations and, and groups and was talking with other pastors and uh, pastors from all over the world, from Canada. Carrie Newell was involved with that, and they were talking right around June, July, when the mandates was in, the shelter in place, and there were people talking, you know, businesses were afraid, and that they couldn't reopen, and so they were saying, what's COVID? Is it going to impact our gatherings? And the NFL, we saw the M- NBA, we saw all the major sports, you know, struggle with this, and and uh, one of them, the Commissioner Roger Goodell of NFL said, I know that it's never gonna go away because people need sports, and people, it's, it's, a, it's a time for them to gather In his point, and and all the pastors begin to say, that's the same thing for the church. We know the church is not going to go because people need the corporate gathering and in the presence of the Lord. And so many pastors were afraid and worried, but but I'm not going to be worried about it because I know that Jesus said, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So right there, that's all I need is that one scripture. How many know all you need sometimes is one scripture? You you just need one scripture to get through a storm. You just need one scripture sometimes that just gets you through something. And so I know the church of Jesus Christ It's going to be tough and the Bible teaches in the last days many are going to fall away from the faith and many are going to do this and, and be caught up in deception and I, I understand it, but there's also going to be that scripture that says in the last days I will pour out my spirit on all flesh on your sons and on your daughters. They will prophesy. They will dream dreams. He, in other words, God says I'm not going to withhold my spirit. The Holy Spirit not in quarantine, people. He is still alive. He is still moving. He is still working. He is working when we don't see him working. And he don't have a mask on either. He's not afraid of none. He is the healer. Amen. Just for a mental picture. Ain't right? you nothing know wrong wearing a mask. I understand that. I always did like the fist bump anyway before the handshake. Amen. Who was that? Howie Mandel. Is that that name that always does the fist pump? I think he had it right. Amen. I'm down with that. I'm kind of but whatever. It has nothing to do with faith. Amen. Anyway, help me, Jesus. So, so he had a corporate tabernacle, but I want you to see this. Moses made him a personal tent. He made him a personal tent and it was far away from the tabernacle. That's the whole point of this message and this whole story. That's what Jesus was teaching that you need a secret place. And Moses pitched it outside. Now I'm going to give you three reasons why you need one, but he would pitch it outside of the tent and uh, of, of the camp away from the crowd, away from the noise, and in verse 10, it says that everybody would watch Moses go as he walked, they knew he was going to to that meeting with God, and they would stand at their tent, and they would see that magnificent cloud by day, and if it was at nighttime, it was a pillar of fire. I mean, there's pictures out. You can see artists have trying to draw this and capture this moment. and It is beautiful, and I love it. I have a picture of the, of the pillar of fire at night and all the tribes being separated, which was also in a form of a cross. I, I can show you that in Scripture, which pointed to Christ. But I, it has nothing on what the real thing must have looked like because the Scripture says in verse 10 that the people would naturally respond by worship. I mean, if you would see a visible cloud come down into this gymnasium right now. And I pray it does. (laughs) How many would love to see something? like? I've seen that in our worship services. When I was a youth pastor out in the barn on Savage Road, y'all remember the barn? We saw the glory card would be in that room, man, and teenagers, you talk about an illustrated sermon. (laughs) Teenagers would be like, whoa, that's so cool. I'm going to put down my Mountain Dew. Amen for that. My point is this, is this real. Whether you see him or not, you can have him by faith. And feel the real presence of God. But he would meet with Moses every time. And the people would just see that sight. And they would just break out in worship. They would just be like, whoa. And he would fall to their knees. You know what is so mind-blowing to me, though, if you keep reading? There was a group that chose to remain on the outskirts of the camp. Even in those days, there were people that refused to get into the presence of God. That always blew my mind. There's a group that always hung out, and they're called at the outskirts of the camp. And when the plagues came, by the way, the first ones to go were the ones that lived in the outskirts of the camp. Oh, that's another message. But it says the presence of God was in the center. The tabernacle was in the center. But Moses made him one where the presence of God would regularly meet with him. Why do we need that? Moses did it because, number one, because of the pressures of life. Because of the pressures of life. This is why you need to learn, and I need to learn, to get into the secret place of God. It gets God's attention. He hears those prayers when we intentionally make time. No one ever has time for God, be honest with you. No one ever has time for these things. You never will have time. You have to make time. You have to make time. You have to make time. And this is the first of the year. This is a good time to start some new habits. Come on, somebody. New habits. One of the, uh, Melinda was telling me that one of the gyms put out there uh, that they were, this is something they do every year. They put out, they bought new uh, machines for people to work out on. And every January, they put it out. But they don't ever buy new ones every year because they use the same ones. Because three weeks in the January, they don't need them no more. Three weeks. Three weeks. They put them away, and the next year they bring it back out for three weeks, so they don't have to keep buying equipment. That just blows my mind. Amen. Spiritually speaking, sometimes we can be that same way. If a crisis hits, oh man, we're right there going after God. But I'm wondering if do we really need to have a crisis to seek God? But if you do, one of the ways you're going to get re- a release in your spirit is the pressure and from the pressures of life is by being able to get into that secret place. I first got saved, I began to read about knowing God. I kept reading that in Philippians. Paul said, the one thing that I do is is to know God in the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. To know God. The seven sons of Sceva in the book of Acts tried to cast out a demon, but they could not because the demon looked at him and said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Uh, Jesus said on the day of judgment many will come to me and say I've done this in church I've done this for church, I've been in church for 30 years I was a board member, I was at this, I was at that and Jesus says I never knew you though I, so there's this thing in scripture that we learn even from Moses' day that not, you go from believing there is a God to knowing there is a God can I tell you it is possible to know that you know that you know that you know that there is a God and that he lives within you you can know that for sure my aunt Maggie passed away several years ago of cancer and later in her life she really got close to God it did take the cancer she would tell you that uh, toward the end of her life we had put on a benefit dinner for her to help with the bills and she leaned over to me I'll never forget it. and she said Eddie I can tell you this that I thank God for this cancer it blew my mind for her to say that she's bald and she's going through their treatment and I said I just listened to her she was number one you're here, and you wouldn't be here if I didn't have this cancer. That's, Aunt Maggie was blunt. And she said, none of the family. Look, look, the family got together. She was always a family person. I mean, know every family seems to have that one person that holds everybody together. How many know what I'm talking about? Aunt Maggie was one of them. She would she would go around at people's houses. I'd see her car at my mom and dad's. She would come and she loved our kids and she was just you loved being around Aunt Maggie. Aunt Maggie was, she's the one that named me Eddie. Everyone else wanted to call me Jimmy because my name was actually James. No hating on Jimmy, but I don't like Jimmy. And so uh, she named me Eddie because I can run. Fast, Eddie. And so I went with it. And and Aunt Maggie said that. And then she said this. She said, and I'm ready to meet my Jesus. She said, Eddie, she came me by my hand. And she goes, I know that I know that I know that I know that I got Jesus in my soul. And with them eyes and with the way she was looking at that time, that just gave me peace to hear what. Do you know that you know that you know, that you know Jesus? And one of my first times that I experienced the presence of God, we went camping. And uh, it was we loved camping back in the days. And, uh, not, you know, I still like it, but I prefer a hotel. But anyway, camping, if you get a camper, it's pretty cool. We used to tent it, okay? When you're younger, you're like, yeah, I sleep on a rock. It's no problem. But... Uh, and you hit your 30s and your 40s, you're like air mattress. I ain't hating on an air mattress, amen. And and you know, and, and you don't frown upon that. And then you get a camper. Come on, somebody, we're gonna we're gonna do it with a camper, amen, amen. So uh, that's where we were. But and and we used to, you know, before I got saved, camping was. Uh, we would do a lot of other things and partying and stuff and. But when I got saved, we continued to go camping with my family. My two girls were young at the time, and we would all go, and we started learning to have good experiences without the need of a substance. Come on, somebody. And and we just enjoy outside. And I'm 26, 27 years old, experiencing this. And I'll never forget, after a night, everybody went to sleep, and and we were talking about life, you know, just having a good time. We went fishing and all that fun stuff. And, and And I clicked on this song by third day. This was back in the day. Come on, somebody. Show me your glory. Remember that song? Come down from heaven. You might know what I'm talking about. Man, I cranked that song up, and he's describing when God came to the mountain for Moses. Saw a flash of lightning. Go read that. Go listen to that song again. And he's got that voice. You know that voice. I turned it up. Brother, and it was just me at that picnic table and I looked up and saw the beautiful stars and sky and man, the presence of God came down into that campground, into that site. And I'm telling you, the guy around the corner that had that big 200-pound German shepherd that barked for three days, I did not even hear that no more in Jesus' name. All my fears, all my worries, all of my things. I was going through court costs and I was coming out of a crazy lifestyle, trying to get a good job. I'm worried about all of these things. That all left me in that moment out in the campground, listening to that song. What was it? I was experiencing the presence of the Lord. See, the scripture says, taste and see that the Lord, he is good. I think the reason why many don't experience the presence of God because they haven't simply tasted and seen. Taste, taste, what is taste? It's an experience. He's saying, you need to experience me. An atheist has an opinion, but a Christian has an experience. You don't have to convince me. You can try to tell me with science and all of that, and I love science, and it proves that there is a God more than anything, if you will look really at. But I don't need to have all of these impressive words and and these speeches, and they're good. I love apologetics, but this is how I know that this book is real and why I live for him every day is because I know that I know that I know that I know that he is real because I've experienced him. I've experienced him. Taste is an experience. Then he says, and see, what see? That's a perspective. Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you experience him, he changes your perspective. Oh, I can't get no help in this Baptist church today. This is how you experience the presence of God. And let me tell you something, you get hooked to it. I had a lot of addictions in my life and how I was not able to go back to those old addictions. So listen, I can preach on our men and give our men these things about staying pure and all of this stuff, but really it boils down to this. You know how to be free from sin and addiction? Find something better. Right, amen. I said, find something better. You, you can carry a, crowd, a card and a chip and, and Bible verses, and I love all of that, and that's all good, going to help you. But until you get along with God as Moses did and experience the presence of God, I'm telling you, you won't have to, you won't want to go back. Paul said, everything I've accomplished in life, in Philippians, and he has some great credentials. Not that you shouldn't have life goals. Go for it you got to have a plan, especially men, you got to have a plan leading our family because you can't follow a parked car. And we're called to lead our family, so it's good having a goal. Women, too, women, men and women, we all need to have a goal and a vision for your life. Without vision, the people cast off restraint. Without mentally seeing yourself where God wants you, you're going to give up. you got to have a vision. The man, man plans his ways, but God directs his steps. You plan it. You vision. you got to plan in a mission. God will direct your steps. And Paul said, all of my credentials that I've achieved, listen, I count them as rubbish so that I may know Christ. Know Christ. You can know Christ. He'll talk to you. He'll speak to your heart. He would go into the tent of meetings, burdened down. When this was happening, this is right when Aaron and them made that golden calf and they were worshiping the calf. They were partying and going crazy, and he'd come down and goes, seriously? I'll leave you for a month, and this is what y'all do? I mean, he got mad, and he busted up that golden calf. Remember that? Burned it, put it in the water, made the people drink it. Moses did that. He was, he was mad. They say he was a mild man. He had a temper. And, his, and he was mad at that. He got down there, and he's mad. But what, how did he escape that? How are you going to escape the pressures of life? How are we going to escape the pressure of life? How did you make it through 2020? I'm telling you through this right here. It's only through this right here. It's only—it's it, a release, man. I'm telling you. Get along with God. Get mad. Be like, if you're frustrated, read it in the word of God. People were mad and, and, and just took out their frustration. Habakkuk. Habakkuk. I know it's a funny name. Read chapter one. He's like, God, how come the evil are more blessed than I am? Where are you? Don't you see all the stuff that's going on? How come I cry out and you don't listen to me? I mean, he, he's venting. He's venting. And in chapter 2, God answers that. When we get real, God gets real. When we pretend, like Jesus said, pray with these, these silly prayers that don't have our heart in it, that's what Jesus meant. Not to be, you know, if you say the same thing, He wasn't condemning you going to God with the same thing. He was condemning this religious prayer that we have. Say this prayer and that prayer. Even the Lord's prayer, we make it into a secret ingredient. Actually, it was just an outline of how we are to come to God. Number one, he's our father. He's our daddy. He's our heavenly father. And we can come to him like that. So it's a release. Someone say it's a release. They had on the news the other day, the top 10 ways people have coped with 2020. And you know what was up there toward the top? People's faith and church, whether they had to participate online or not. There is an increase of people that are seeking God and turning to God. There are Others, it's funny because they said there were others that were in church for a while have fallen off, but there are many new believers coming and many that were once afar off that are coming back and coming back to Christ. It's amazing. I love when the news and they talk about Jesus. But I'm like, yeah, man, it ain't no secret. I've been knowing that for 20 some years, but anyway, go for it. Let me tell you something. If you're watching right now and you're going through some things and you're just scared and you're in a, a, a scary place and... Get into the presence of God. He knows right where you are. Secondly, it's because he was a pilgrim. Moses did this tent thing because he was a pilgrim. Do you know that you are a pilgrim? 1 Peter chapter 2, Peter says, Beloved, I beg you as pilgrims, sojourners and pilgrims, to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against your soul. See, when we indulge in things of the flesh that we know we're not supposed to, Peter says it actually starts to battle and war against your soul. It makes it work. It makes it harder to serve God. It really does. That's what he's saying. He goes, if you want to really uh, live for the Lord, actually it's called a highway of holiness. Can I tell you that you can spend your life on the back roads trying to see if you can, can I still do this and be saved? Can I still do that and be saved? I feel like i got to come down here for this one. Can I still do this and get saved? I mean, I used to live my life like that, and finally God said, listen, man, you can live your life and ask it like that. Or you get into your prayer tent, get into your word, and find out what my will is for you. Love me with all of your heart. And then you'll get off the back roads, and you'll get on that highway of holiness, brother, Well, you'll be just blowing the doors off people that's been in church for 30 years. years and God will open doors and he'll put a fire in you and a passion in you like people will scratch their head as how is this young guy coming off the streets of ecourse can anything good come out of Ecorse? can anything good come out of Jefferson and Charlotte Street if you get on fire for God it don't matter where you're from or where you come from baby he'll light you up and he'll send you out to the world David said I'm a shepherd boy I got no training to be no king But yet he was the king of Israel that never lost one battle while he was king. I'm telling you, man, if you will humble yourself before God, Jesus said, I will lift you up in front of everybody. Man, that's good preaching. I'm glad I came to church today. You're a pilgrim. Let me tell you something. When you get into your secret place, it reminds you of what I'm telling you. It reminds you that you're a pilgrim. The secret place is like an embassy. You know what, an, we all know what an embassy, an embassy, an American embassy, when we go to Honduras and other countries, we went to Israel, in these countries there's an American embassy. That means that there's a piece of America in another country. If you are a citizen of that country, no matter what country you are in, you go to that embassy and you're going to get help. While you're in that country, you, you, the embassy is, is, uh, is something that helps the citizens of that country to operate in the foreign land. And your secret place reminds you that you are just a citizen. But if you don't spend time in that secret place, in the embassy, you will leave the embassy and try to become a citizen of that land. And what we have is many that have left the embassy and have tried to take on citizenship of a country that they are not, this is not my, I love America. I thank God I'm born here, but I'm just passing through, baby. I'm just passing through. Let them fight it out in Washington. Let them fight it out at Walmart or everywhere else. I'm, gonna, I'm a part of a kingdom, and I, I, I preach kingdom principles, and I, I believe in our country and, and what it was founded on, but I'm not going to get all crazy when it don't go my way. Because there's no corruption in my king. There's no corruption in the kingdom of God. And sometimes it pulls you down when you look at our country, don't it? It's been tough. Preparing for the inauguration, and they got national guards out, and they got all of this stuff prepared. And I'm like, man, what is this? When we were in Honduras, you got armed guards at gas stations, and they have a coup like every five years. They actually will remove the president. And many from Honduras watch our services, and they've told us about them. Please pray for our country. And I I remember coming. I love Honduras. And I get to America. I get to Metro Airport. I come out, and I say, thank you, God. We don't got to deal with that here. And I look at what's going on today, and it's crazy. But you know how to get me out of it and how I overcome it? I get into the secret place. Last thing, and then we're going to close and go out with a song of worship. God would prepare him for his journey. God would prepare Moses for what was ahead. Like I said, they didn't know where they were going. Like Abraham, he said, Abraham, just follow me and I'll show you when you start following. That's how it is with God. When you follow God, he, the Bible says his word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. So you're only gonna see, even when you study the word of God, he's only gonna show you enough of what a light would show you. He only shows you, when you take this step, he'll show you the next step. We wanna stay right here and say, God, light up my whole path. Who am I going to marry? When am I going to get married? Where am I going to live? What job should I take? Give me this. Give me that. And when something happens, when we don't expect, we're thrown off. But we will, and it's a hard thing to do. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your path one step at a time. Okay, Jesus, I don't know why this is happening, but I'm trusting you're in control. I'm trusting in you in control. Moses did that. Abraham did that. The disciples did that. Judas was confused, and that's why he betrayed Jesus, because he didn't see it coming. He wanted Jesus to do one thing. I was reading it the other day, and you know when Jesus turned on Jesus, when Judas turned on Jesus, the Bible says when Jesus uh, acknowledged a woman with the alabaster jar, she come in and broke that very expensive ointment on Jesus and perfume. And he received it, he lettered, and he says, your sins, which are many, are forgiven, not because of the ointment you spent, but because of your attitude of worship and your faith. The Bible says, Judas says, why is Jesus accepting that? That's a year's wage. We could have took that money and, and uh, helped the poor. And then the writer goes, which he wasn't concerned about because he often stole out of the treasury. But it says this, Jesus rebuked them for having that attitude, and it said, from this day forward, Judas begin to think how he may betray Christ. It's when Jesus does things we don't expect him to do that we're tempted to go the other way. Is this helping anybody? And so being in the secret place, I'm going to close with this. God may not show you what's going to happen, but he'll prepare you of what's going to happen. He didn't tell Moses that, listen, You're going to end up having a split. You're going to have the sons of Korah rise up against you, and they're going to come against your leadership. He didn't tell them that they're going to complain for 40 years. After seeing a cloud of fire, two chapters later, they begin to complain again. He didn't tell them that, but he prepared them for it. He prepared them for it. And I don't know what's going to happen in 2021. I'd love to tell you that it's all going to go away and we're all going to go back to normal. I really don't know, but I tell you what, being in the presence of God is going to prepare me for whatever's happened. And I want to remind you of this as we're starting to close. Many have been talking to me about it and and those of you, I know we got a lot of people that are new to the church or watching online. I don't claim to be a prophet, but I get away with God as a pastor since I've been pastoring and went full-time into the ministry in 2015, been able to spend a couple days at the end of every year to get a vision for the next year. And Camp Fajola is open to credential ministers. And so I I just get away. Many of you do the same thing and, and it's awesome. Get away with God and prayer and fast. And I'm not saying because I'm super spiritual, because I'm not. I'm just saying this because I'm leading. And in leadership, you would be very transparent. This is, you don't read about Moses. You need to do what Moses did. (laughs) And God gave me a word for 2019. And and, uh, many of you have uh, reminded me of it. I don't, God did not tell me 2020 was going to be like he did, but God gave me three words. And uh, I came to the church and and it was that we were entering into a season of bereavement. And that we were entering into a season where God's going to give us a building. Now, I thought it was to build a building on Savage Road. And that it was a season of birthing. He gave me those three words. I came home and I said, honey. She's like, what did God show you? I said, we're entering a season of bereavement. <laughs> I said, who wants to come to the pulpit and say that? And so January 11th, I stood on Savage Road. And I told you that God is going to prepare us for a season of bereavement. I had, again, he did not tell me it was COVID-19. I don't claim to know that. I'm just saying this to restore your faith in the prophetic. Restore your faith in getting alone with God because he will speak to you. Because that's been abused so much and so many are confused right now. There is a true Prophetic. There is a true utterance of the Holy Spirit. There is a true prophet. There is a true thus saith the Lord. There is a true word of God. My word and my way is true. Walk therein. There is a truth to God's word. No matter how many claim to be uh, Christ's and have not represented the kingdom well. And God prepared us for it. I didn't know what it was, so I tried to say it was going to be maybe God was. I'm thinking, Lord, what kind of word can I, what does this mean? And I said, he's going to just cut away some things. And, and I said, but for some, they're meditating on them. And I have these three words that God gave us that we are entering into a season that God does not operate in calendar years from January or nor December, but he operates in season. And we as a church are going into a season where he is, we are coming in through a season of bereavement. And for some, we this is be an attack right out of the enemy, but the Lord says, don't allow this to become a season of mourning for what the enemy meant for evil. God will turn it around for good because God always gives purpose for the pain. <laughs> then I said, God's gonna give us a building, and, and I thought it was to build that building. We were handing in. This was not even on the radar in 2019. How many remember this word at the at the outpouring service? Come on, let's stand. We can stand, matter of fact. we are closing. them. And uh, I gave, this is this what the Holy Spirit said. I am not smart enough to give you this word. I am not, that, this, is, this is just what God gave me. And uh, this was not on the market. And God knew, though, he brought some of you just at the right time. I thank God for Josh, who's sitting up there on the shelf, him and Ricky, who so many are behind the scenes that you may not see what these guys do, but they are into the tech stuff. We just bought it all for the renovation because we knew one day was going to do it. It sat, when COVID hit, it's all set in that room. Josh said, I know how to work it. I mean, I do Facebook, that's about it. Felicia and these others that just spoke up, stood up and used their talents. Just like building this building, we were going to hire contractors. That would have took every dime of that 200,000. And then some. But you guys stood up, spoke up guys coming out of everywhere, guys like Roger, and I can't name y'all. How many help with the renovation? (laughs) Put your hand up. If you're watching online, put a hand up emoji. Amen, so everybody can see you. Amen. That's the only way we got here today. Yes, amen, amen. I'm like, God's given us engineers, and he's given us this, 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 and this, and this, this, and we started saying, why hire it out? We can do it. Right at the right time. Could you imagine if we got this building in January 2020 and had to renovate it? When COVID hit, I'm telling you, it's almost like God knew what He was doing. Uh, That's just for our life. You may be watching out of state, out of country, even or wherever, have something else going. I'm just wanna, I'm sharing this to build your faith. That if you get alone with God. He may not show you exactly what's gonna happen with that young person, that teenager, that marriage, that job situation. He may not tell you exactly what February, March, April, May, or June will bring. But if you will get along with God, he'll prepare you for whatever January, February, March, April, May, June. Come on, bring it on, baby. Because I'm glowing now like Moses, baby. I've been in the presence of the Lord. And if God what I'm talking about. Woo! That's what I'm talking about. Yes, Lord, Father, we just love you right now, Jesus. We need your presence right now, Jesus. We just need your presence right now. Come on, right now, just for a few minutes. You're in your altar, in your seats. I'd be calling you up. Heaven altar teams, which we're getting them real soon. But right now, you know, we got we got to learn to do this on our own, like Moses did. Moses didn't have the priests with him. He went out there along with God. So right here in your seat, can we end this service by demonstrating what I just preached? Getting in your secret place. We did it just a few minutes ago in worship. Let's sing this song one more time about the Holy Spirit. Just forget about this afternoon if you got plans. If you got to leave right now, God bless you, go ahead. But let's just do this one song. Maybe you're still empty. Maybe you only got filled right here. During worship, get filled all the way up right now. Come on, get out of your seat if you want to, if you, if you need to make it. you got plenty of room, but if you go ahead and let's go after the Lord right now. Come on, lift your voice. Hallelujah, Jesus.